Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Shalom. I hope everyone is having a nice holiday weekend. Uh, In the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, there was this question that was bandied about in sort of rabbinic circles. It was asked in an NPR report I heard. and, And it was a question that I asked pretty much every class that I taught in the last few weeks. And that was, what wisdom can Judaism offer Thanksgiving? Now, it was asked in many ways as a sort of, well, you know, because we already did Zoom Seders, so what can we share about, you know, Zoom Thanksgiving and, you know, good lighting and good bandwidth and rituals and good food, whatever it is. There's a lot of wisdom that, uh, that we can share, but as any child of divorced parents knows, the thing that Judaism has, that Jewish holidays have, that Thanksgiving really, really needs is a second day. Second day Yom Tov growing up was huge because you can have, you know, Seder one with one family and Seder two with another family. First day you go somewhere, second day you go to the other parent's house. And Thanksgiving with its one day leads you to have to do some sort of, you know, dinner at noon at mom's house and then you go to your dad's house for dinner at four. But if your father is anything like my father, if you show up at four, that's about when he turns on the oven if you're lucky and dinner is going to be much later than that. And to both of my parents who I'm sure are watching, I love you very, very much. I would not trade your happiness for anything. And dad, you can cook for me anytime. But Thanksgiving has a way of shining a light on the ways in which we feel like we don't measure up to that Rockwell painting of what a family should be or what the holiday should look like. And we all don't measure up to this painting. That's the thing we kind of all know but don't really admit to ourselves that We look different. We feel different. We have strained relationships. We have no relationships. We have absences. We have more people there. We don't all measure up to one standard, and that's totally, totally fine. But even knowing that, it is sometimes hard when these holidays or any holidays come around. And sometimes when people use language of, well, we all wish we could go somewhere for Thanksgiving, but we don't, we, we know we don't have somewhere to go or going somewhere is complicated. We can't help but note that in these moments and feel like it's just really out there for everyone to see. But in this, we see another thing that the Jewish tradition can offer us in this moment, because in this morning's Parsha, the family that we see is anything but a Norman Rockwell painting. It is, in fact, quite complicated. And our heroes have somewhat tragic relationships with the family that they have. Jacob, when we meet him, is fleeing from his family because his brother wants to kill him. Admittedly, for something Jacob did. 
But still, he is in such a deeply lonely place that when he finds this other family, he is willing to put up with abuse after abuse after abuse from Lavan because he's so worried about losing yet another family. And Leah, who is, as Rabbi Bideau put it, very interestingly, maybe a part of the subterfuge, maybe not, we don't really know, but either way, she is married to someone who she knows did not really want to marry her. And we can imagine what that relationship must have been like. And Rachel, who not only is sharing a husband with her sister, is watching her sister have child after child after child, knowing that she is barren. The rabbis say, by the way, that Leah too was supposed to be barren and that God gave her children because God knew she had no other joy in the world. And Rachel, when she sees her sister's fruitfulness and thinks of her own barrenness, the Midrash says that she sees it and she's upset not just because she cannot have a child, but because she thinks that Leah is more worthy than she. That Leah has done things, and that's the reason why she has children. As anyone who has struggled with infertility knows, it's the worst feeling in the world. And to feel, whether it's infertility or anything, that our family members have things that we do not because they somehow merit it more than us. That they've done things that we can't do and that's why they have things that we don't have. Makes us feel terrible. And this is the family that we see in our Parsha that's held up. These three individuals who are deeply searching for belonging, deeply feeling unworthy. And that's, as uh, I think I heard in what uh, Rabbi Bido said last night and tonight, you might be reading the same book that my wife and I are reading, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. And she writes that this feeling of belonging that we're all searching for, we want to know we belong somewhere, is tied into our sense of worthiness. Do we feel worthy enough to belong? Do we feel whole enough to belong? Can we step into a relationship wholehearted acknowledging flaws, acknowledging things we wish that weren't there, but being whole in ourselves. That's what we all want, and frankly, what we all deserve, to feel that we belong. It's hard to find. Some of us are lucky enough to just find it. Others work very hard to get there. But we have to try because Will we see what happens if we don't? Jacob never really deals with his sense of non-belonging and unworthiness. And frankly, as we see, he passes it on to his children. And they have their own issues of worth and belonging. And the family dynamics amongst his 12 sons is not so much healthy. And they pass it on in some ways to their children. And the cycle continues. Rachel and Leah are different. And this comes to that scene with the mandrakes that I asked you to note, as we pointed out earlier. And, and this scene is read in many different ways. So let's talk about it for a second. It gets, it verges a little on, we should maybe have a little TVY uh, PG or something down here. Uh, Isabella, I want you to, you know, go like this and say the ashray for just a second. Okay. All right. Thank you. So 
the scene with the mandrakes is that Leah's oldest son, Reuven, while he's out in the field, he finds mandrakes, which are some sort of ancient fertility remedy. And Rachel goes to Leah and says, please, you have children. You don't need these mandrakes. Could you please give some to me? And Leah replies, is it not bad enough that you stole our husband? You also want to steal my son's mandrakes. Rachel pleads with her and then deals with her. Bargain, says, you know what? Fine. If you want for the mandrakes, you can have our, I uh, hope you're still saying Ashrei as well, you can have our, uh, our, our husband tonight. And so when he comes in from the field, Leah goes out and meets him and says, I've bought you this evening for my son's mandrakes. They go into the tent together. And the result of that is Yisachar and Zvul and two more children uh, result. Then Jacob uh, sleeps with his other wife, Rachel. And because of the mandrakes, she finally has a child and she has Yosef. Now, this scene... The Torah, friends, is like text messages. You can't tell tone just from reading the text. And the rabbis in the Midrash imagine it to be quite a fierce exchange between these two women who clearly have reasons to not like one another and they're, they're essentially bargaining and out of anger. But I think we can read it a little differently, perhaps, because what happens in this moment, I think, is actually phenomenal. Rachel has the courage to go to Leah, a woman who she could be the worst of enemies with, and she is vulnerable. She says, I can't have children and it is killing me. You have this remedy with you right now. Please, could I share in these mandrakes, in your fertility, please? And Leah doesn't just sort of let her off the hook, says, well, I have my own Gripe right now. My, you have our husband. This is what I'm feeling. The core, the core tension need in my life is that my husband doesn't love me and he loves you. So you want the mandrakes. Well, I want our husband. And the two of them work something out so that they both get what they need. It is actually a beautiful moment where they share one another's vulnerability and they work together so that they can both have something. And in this, I think we see a way for us to be in the world. Many times we are going to be like Leah. The first step needs to be ours to go and say, I am hurting in some way. I am vulnerable in some way. I have a need of something. But it's not only about Rachel, and nor can we put it on the people with needs and vulnerability to have to come forward all of the time. Leah's reaction really makes this work because Leah could say, absolutely not, get out of here. I hate you, no. Leah sees her vulnerability. Leah's no saint. Leah shares her own. In fact, that is how we build relationships, the shared vulnerability between the two of them. Leah says, well, here's what I need. Here's what I'm feeling. And the two are able to find what they need together. And I think about this as we come to this holiday season. I think about this. I think about a story from the Talmud. Rabbi Yossi is walking down the street at night and he sees a man carrying a torch. And as the person carrying the torch gets closer and closer, Rabbi Yossi notices that this man is blind. And he stops him and he says, excuse me, sir, I, I don't mean to be rude, but 
why does a blind person need to carry a torch at night? And the man replies, I don't carry a torch so that I can see. I carry this torch so that other people can see me. They can see that I'm blind and they can help me out. And in our lives, friends, many times we are in need. And if we have the tremendous courage to carry that torch, to illuminate our needs, well, then maybe someone will see us. And sometimes, as I said, Thanksgiving or other things come along and they shine the spotlight on us, whether we want it to be or not. And sometimes we can carry that torch ourselves if we can have that courage. But more often than not, we're Rebbe Yossi, walking along in the darkness, hoping maybe no one sees us, but we see someone point out their own need, their own vulnerability. And in that moment, the choice is up to us. Are we going to help or are we going to walk by? What are we going to do when we see someone in need, when we see someone be vulnerable to us, if they have the capacity to share it, surely we need to have the capacity to see it, to help, and even perhaps to go out of our way to look for it and look for the people around us and the people who maybe we don't even know, who we see on a Zoom, who we know are joining virtually in communities to which we belong, who might need a little help, who might need someone to see them. Because if we can have the courage, like Leah now, to respond to their vulnerability, maybe even with a little bit of our own, I see you, and you know, I I fear the same thing as well. Or I feel something else. If we see them, if we are able to be vulnerable with those who can be vulnerable with us, that's how we can build relationships together. That's how we can break out of cycles of animosity and hatred. That's how we can come together with family, with friends, with community. And most of all, it's how we can be seen in the darkness and we can get the help that we need. So we here see you, friends, and if we don't, please shine a light for us. Send us an email. Give us a call. We're here to be here to see you. And if you have the ability to look out and see others, that's what we have to do. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for joining us so much on this day. We're going to continue with our service. I invite you, if you're able to... Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul.